0: Well, we're going to read from the Bible together now and we're turning to the Psalms and this morning we're reading Psalm 145. We're going to be singing this Psalm in a few moments time together, but we're going to read it as it's recorded for us in the Bible. You'll find it on page 524 over into page 525 of the Pew Bibles, page 524 over into 525, Psalm 145. The title of the psalm is Great is the Lord, and then the little subtitle is A Song of Praise of David. So Psalm 145, we're reading the whole psalm together, and this is God's word to us. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another, and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty, and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his works and kind in all his words. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand, you satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but, the wicked, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. Amen. And we thank God for his word to us this morning. Thank you to the praise group for introducing that psalm to us. We're going to think about Psalm 145 together now. And you'll find it really helpful to turn with me in your Bibles to that psalm. You'll find it on pages 524 over into page 525 of the Pew Bibles. Psalm 145. And as you're turning to that Sam, let's pray for a moment together. Father, this morning we're conscious of how great your name is. You're the everlasting God. You're the creator of all things. You're the one who is sovereignly ruling over this universe. We, we pray that we might have a sense of how amazing you are this morning. We pray that you would guide our thoughts and our attitudes as we think about Psalm 145, but most of all we pray that we would be pointed to our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, and we pray these things in his name, Amen. What does an average day look like for you? Are there certain things that you do every day in a certain order? What does your daily routine look like? It involves eating, I'm sure. Do you eat the same thing for breakfast every day? Do you eat breakfast at the same time every day? It involves getting dressed, being presentable. Do you have a certain way of doing that? An order of how you get ready in the morning. It maybe involves getting the kids up and ready for school. Do they get dressed first and then have their breakfast? Or is it the other way around? It maybe involves letting the dog out. Do you take... Take the dog for a walk first. Do you give it a dental stick? Do you give it a biscuit? What does it look like? It maybe involves doing certain things around the farm, making sure the beasts are all still there, making sure they haven't broken out, making sure they've got enough food and water. Maybe involves driving to work. Do you take the same road to work every day or do you mix it up? Do 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 you know what time you have to leave the house at and do you know what time you must leave the house at? There's a difference there. What does an average day look like for you? Are there certain things that you do every day in a certain order? What does your daily routine look like? Does it involve worship? Does it involve worship and prayer and Bible reading? Does it begin with you looking to God, focusing on God, relying on God? It's hard to start our days in that way, especially if we find ourselves in any of the contexts we've just imagined. There are time pressures, we've got to wash and eat and travel. It's also hard to do in our modern world because there are so many other things that demand our attention. According to research, around 80% of smartphone users check their mobile phones within 15 minutes of waking up every morning. It's important to check for messages and phone calls, but less important to check what's happened on our social feeds overnight. So do our days involve worship? Does your day involve a dedicated time of personal or family worship of God? Well, we start with that penetrating question because Psalm 145 is a psalm about worship. It's a praise psalm. In fact, it's the only psalm with that title, a song or a psalm of praise. There are 150 psalms in the Psalter, in the section where we find the psalms. 75 of them, so half of them, are attributed to or were written by David. So great was his influence on this collection of songs and poems that the psalms have been called the treasury of David. We maybe know him as the boy who killed Goliath or as the king who led Israel, but David was also a great singer. He was a great musician. He played the harp for Saul on many occasions And he was a songwriter. He didn't sell albums. He didn't release EPs. He wrote his songs as a response of faith, faith in the Lord. As well as being a giant slayer, a king, a musician, David was also a man after God's own heart. He was a great theologian in that he knew who God was. He had a high view of God, but he didn't just know theology in his head. His theology led him to doxology, to praise and adoration of the God who was his king. Which brings us to Psalm 145. Of the 75 Psalms that are attributed to David, this is the last. And what a Psalm it is. It's a Psalm of praise to God. David saves the best for last and pours out his heart in praise to the God who has redeemed him. Psalm 145 is very cleverly put together. Now it's not apparent from our English translations, but this Psalm is an acrostic Psalm. If you're using one of the Pew Bibles this morning, you'll be able to see a very small three beside the numbers one, four, five. It's a footnote. If you look down at the bottom of page five, two, four in your Pew Bible, you'll be able to read the, foot, the, the footnote. And it says this, it says, this is an acrostic, uh, an acrostic poem, each verse beginning with the successive letters of the Hebrew alphabet. So what David has done in putting this psalm together is the equivalent of us writing a poem with each line beginning with A, B, and C, and so on. Here's what he was doing by putting Psalm 145 together in this way. He, He was covering his subject completely. As we might say, he's giving us an A to Z on a particular topic. And his topic is God, the worship of God, who God is, what God has done, why we should worship him. His purpose in writing this psalm in the style that he does is to move us. We should always remember the emotional aspects of the psalms. They're meant to resonate with us. They're meant to move us. And they're meant to make us react in an emotional way. The response David desires his readers to have is that of worship. And it's worship every day, not just on Sundays. That's clear from the opening of the psalm. Just look at verses 1 to 3. It says, I will extol you, my God and and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day, every day, I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. What does an average day look like for you? Are there certain things that you do every day in a certain order? What does your daily routine look like? does it involve worship? Does it involve worship and prayer and Bible reading? Does it begin with you looking to God, relying on God, focusing on God? That's a convicting question for us all to ask ourselves. But instead of beating ourselves up with the answer, we're gonna look at what Psalm 145 says. Psalm 145 provides us with two things. It gives us a sense of how amazing God is and it gives us the outline of a life marked by worship. So in other words, it tells us about God and it tells us what it's like to worship God every day. If we struggle with that, and I think most of us do, this Psalm is going to be really helpful. Let's think about those two things in turn then. First of all, Psalm 145 gives us a sense of how amazing God is. This first point is going to be slightly longer than our second point, but that's good because we need to know just how amazing the Lord is. Let me point out some of God's characteristics that are mentioned in this psalm. First of all, there's God's greatness. Look at verse three and then verse six. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised and his greatness is unsearchable. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds and I will declare your greatness. Unfortunately, the word great has become very common in our language and vocabularies. Great means very little now. Uh, We we use the, the word great to describe everything from deodorants to athletes. From an historical perspective, people have added the word great and made it part of their name. So for example, Alexander the Great, he was a famous warrior. Peter the Great was a Tsar of Russia. Jackie Gleason, the American actor, was simply known as the Great One. Yet no one is as great as God. He alone is the Great One and his greatness is unsearchable. No one ever has or will fully understand the greatness of God. The smartest minds of all the ages, put together with the best and most high-tech scientific equipment, could never capture all that God is. He is beyond and past finding out. There's also God's goodness. Uh, that's mentioned in verses seven and nine. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is Good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. This is maybe a hard thing to do, but try to imagine living in a universe in which the one true God is bad rather than good. What would it, what, what what would it be like to live in a world like that? Well, it would be awful. It would be terrible. I'm currently burning my way through the Lord of the Rings books. I'm having to resist. The, the really strong temptation to smother you in illustrations from the books because there are absolutely loads. But the, the, the baddie in The Lord of the Rings is called Sauron. And the plot of the book is in part that Sauron is evil and he creates a ring to help him rule over all of Middle-earth. He loses the ring and in the books he's trying to get it back. But his lands are referred to as the Black Lands. They're lands of tyranny and wickedness. If the one true God was bad rather than good... We would live in the black lands. But God is good. He is abundantly good. He, he, he is good to all. As well as that, there's God's righteousness. It's mentioned in the second half of verse 7. To say that God is righteous is not to say that he conforms to human standards of right and wrong. It is to say that he conforms perfectly to the standard of his own perfections. But if he's completely righteous, How can unholy and unrighteous people like you and me enter his presence? It's because of the next two qualities. Look at verses 8 and 9. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all and his mercy is over all that he has made. This is seen throughout the Old Testament, but God's graciousness and mercifulness is most clearly seen through the cross. He's gracious and merciful in that he doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. Jesus, his son, the one who was perfectly righteous and never sinned, died on the cross to take our sins away. We've mentioned God's greatness, God's goodness, God's righteousness, how God is gracious and merciful. This is how amazing he is. And David isn't even getting started. There are lots of other things that we could say about God from this psalm, but let me give you one more thing. And then we'll think about application. God is sovereign. He's the true ruler of this world. Look at verses 10 to 13. It says, All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power, to make it known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom And your dominion endures throughout all generations. God is sovereign. He's in office for life. Most people see a connection between between what David writes here and what Nebuchadnezzar says in Daniel 4. God's kingdom lasts forever. Local government elections are just around the corner in Northern Ireland. All posts, all council seats will be up for grabs. Some people will regain their seats. Others will lose out. New councillors will be elected for the first time. But there's no posts up for grab in the uh, the administration of heaven. God has always been in post and he always will be. He'll always be on the throne. He'll never have to clear his desk. He'll never have to run for another term. He'll never have to make way for a a successor. In the history of the United Kingdom, the, the history of the United Kingdom is the story of kings who have had the same names, James I, James II, Charles I, Charles II, soon will have Charles III, on heaven's throne, it has always been God. God is great, God is good, God is righteous, God is gracious, God is merciful, God is sovereign. Psalm 145 gives us a sense of of how amazing God is. Do, Do any of those characteristics move you? Broadly speaking, the church of today has a low sense of how amazing God is. Broadly speaking, the church is more concerned with numbers and programs than it is about considering the attributes of God. It's part of the reason the church is ineffective and weak. We don't know who God is. We don't consider his character enough. But broadly speaking, the, the, the church has a low sense of how amazing God is. And the reality is it's the same for us as individual believers. If we thought of God in this way more often, our lives would be very different. We wouldn't tolerate sin as much as we do. We wouldn't grumble about service as much as we do. And we wouldn't be as selfish in our service of others as we are. Psalm 145 gives us a sense of of how amazing God is. If none of the things we've talked about this morning move you in any way, then you've got a problem. Psalm 145 tells us about the God who is great, good, righteous, gracious, merciful, and sovereign. It tells us about the God who wants to know us, us, you and me, sinners and and rebels, people who are spiritually dead. And God who is great and good and righteous and gracious and merciful and sovereign wants to know us. And when we know him, when we trust him, he wants us to know him better. To seek him, to to yearn for him, to become more like him. But when we hear about him, when we hear his character explained, we often just shrug our shoulders and think, isn't God really nice? Wasn't that a lovely service? And we walk out the door and it means nothing. Our amazement lasts for minutes and once it's gone, we're back to normal. Psalm 145 should move us though it should stir our hearts and should encourage us to live lives that are marked by worship that's the second thing in this psalm it gives us a sense of how amazing God is and it gives us the outline of a life marked by worship God is amazing we've established that we need to be reminded of that again and again but how should we live what should we do in response? Well, David gives us quite the list. Just follow with me from verse one down. We extol God's name, verse one. We bless him, verses one, two, and 10. We praise him, verse two. We declare, verse four. We meditate, verse five. We speak, verse six. We pour forth and sing aloud, verse seven. We give thanks, verse 10. We make known, verse 12. David gives us an outline of a life marked by worship. But what does that look like for us? How do we live a life like this? Will we live like this forever and ever? We live like this now and we'll live like this in eternity. Look at verses one and two and then verse 21. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. Do you notice how David says forever and ever? He wasn't content to say forever. He adds and ever. He doesn't allow any loop- loopholes. On this, her- on this earth we hope and live by faith and not by sight. On this earth we watch and wait for the return of our saviour. What well, one day though we'll cease hoping, we'll cease watching, we'll cease waiting but we'll never cease praising. So we'll praise God forever and ever, but we'll also do it every day. Verse two, every day I will praise you and bless your name forever and ever. That means on both good days and bad days. That means on days when we feel like it and on days that we don't. We need to spot the personal pronoun in verses one and two. That sounds complicated, but it's really not. David uses the word I, Twice in the first two verses. I will extol, I will bless you. This psalm was apparently used in the ancient church as a prayer to be recited over the midday meal. So people having their lunch would recite this psalm and that's mainly because of verses 15 and 16. But imagine saying it before your Sunday dinner this afternoon. Imagine saying verses one and two. I will extol you, I will bless you. David doesn't make room for praise by proxy. You know what proxy is. If you, know, if you know that you're not going to be able to be at the polling station on election day, you can nominate a proxy, a person to vote on your behalf. D- David doesn't make room for praise by proxy. He, he doesn't say, I will go to church and watch and listen while others praise God. He's personally involved himself. He, he does it every day. All of us here today are involved in worship. Some of us might think that we're sitting on the sidelines watching others worship, but we're not. We're all involved, we're all engaged. It's just a question of how real it is. We'll praise God forever and ever. We'll praise him every day. We'll also praise him greatly. Look at verse three. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Our praise and worship are to be in proportion to their object, high and great great praise for a great God Spurgeon put it in this way no chorus is too loud no orchestra too large no psalm too lofty for the lauding of the Lord of hosts there's one other way that we praise we pass it on from generation to generation do you see what verse 4 says one generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts David imagines a living chain of praise in which one generation passes the baton of praise on to the next. That's the outline of a life marked by worship. A life that is marked by worship worships forever and ever. A life that is marked by worship worships every day in ordinary situations in the monotony of everyday life. A life that is marked by worship praises God greatly. And a life that is marked by worship tells the next generation who the Lord is. This is another brilliant psalm. It gives us a sense of of how amazing God is and it gives us the outline of a life marked by worship. Just like last week, we need to connect this psalm to the finished work of Christ. No psalm makes sense without us thinking about Jesus. How does Psalm 145 move our thinking to Christ? Well, it's a song of praise to God to the God who is great, good, righteous, gracious, merciful, and sovereign. But, but it speaks of the loving God who has come near. The, the, the love of God is much richer than we think. This psalm talks about God's universal love for all that he has made, but it also talks about his redeeming love for all those he saves. Those two things are different. God shows common grace to all by giving us all that we have in this life. That's a general love. But God shows saving grace, a specific love to those who look to him in faith. Just look at the precious words of verse 18. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. God is, is, is near in a different heightened way to all those who call on him in truth. In other words, God is with all those who, who look and trust and believe in his son. It's through Jesus, God among us, God with us, that we have the full and final revelation of what God is like. Jesus was high yet humble. He was strong yet tender. He was righteous yet gracious. He was powerful yet merciful. He was holy yet forgiving. He was just yet compassionate. He was firm yet friendly. The, the, the thing is, he remains all of those things. He, he is our living saviour, the, the one who is seated at the right hand of his father. He, he is the one who will return one day and upon his return, a new song of praise will ring out and it'll sound something like this. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and by your blood, you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priest to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Psalm 145 is a song of praise to God that we can sing because of what He has done for us through Jesus. And Psalm 145 is a challenge to you if you don't know Jesus. A challenge in two ways. The first way this Psalm challenges you is how it mentions the wicked, it's almost entirely given over to telling us about God. But look at verse 20. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. It's a throwaway line, but it's a line not to be missed. It's best understood in this way without saving faith in Christ, you'll be eternally lost. It's that simple. So, will you turn to Christ today? Will you call on him in truth? That's the first challenge. Here's the second. David finishes the psalm with these words. He says, My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. Remember, this is his final psalm. He's not on his deathbed, so these aren't necessarily his final words. But this is David's final psalm. These are are the last words that we have from David in the Bible. If he had said nothing else in his long life, These words would be a great legacy for future generations. Through this psalm, but through the closing verse in particular, he praises God and invites others to do the same. The The question for you this morning, if you don't know Jesus, if you've never trusted him, is what will your legacy be? Their mouth spoke in praise of the Lord. That would be a pretty good thing for someone to say of you. They were amazed at God, just amazed, and they loved him. The the life they lived was marked by worship. What does an average day look like for you? Are there certain things that you do every day in a certain order? What does your daily routine look like? And are you living without the Lord? And if you're living without the Lord, what will your legacy be? The call of Psalm 145 is a call for us to trust in God, to turn to him and call on him in truth, but it's also a call for us to worship him because he is amazing and he's given us the outline of a life marked by worship. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word to us. We thank you for how amazing you are this morning. We thank you that you're the great and good, gracious and merciful and sovereign God. We take a moment to to consider who it is we're able to come before and worship. Father, how thankful we are for the Lord Jesus, for how we are invited to come to you and worship through him. We pray that we might pour out our hearts and lives in praise for you, today and tomorrow and in all the days that follow and we pray that you challenge those who haven't yet trusted in Christ help them to see that they must call upon you in truth otherwise they'll be put together with the wicked and lost for all eternity father we praise you for who you are we thank you for your word continue with us in these moments and we pray these things in Jesus name Amen.